0: Welcome to How to Build a Tent, a podcast on how to be successful. My name is Matt Williams. Thank you for listening to the show, sharing the show with a friend, tagging a friend, and all of that good stuff. My name is Matt Williams. Thank you for listening to the show. I had to pause and think about that for a second. Like, who am I? Almost got into a deep philosophical reflection there. You can email me, Matt at howtobuildatent.com, try to pull me out of the black hole of who am I and questioning my existence. You can talk to me about you can email me about show topics, questions about business, ideas that you have about starting a business, career advice, whatever you would like. even if you are looking for a connection to be made, if I know somebody in a field that I don't have expertise in I'd be more than happy to pass you along make the connections if uh, both parties agree to it obviously because that really just helps people you know become successful is when you can make connections. Connections are an important part of business. You can also find me on the social media sites by the show links below. You can click on Facebook, Minds, Twitter, YouTube, all that good stuff. And you can subscribe, follow, like, share, tag, all of that stuff you can do on my profile. It's amazing. You can do all of the things you can do on all other profiles on our profile. So if you could do that, that'd be fantastic. appreciate that. Also. You can become a member of fi- the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. We're on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network, if you couldn't tell by the podcast thread that we're on, which is the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. That's right. I'm a little feisty today, drinking some Chilean wine. If you go over to fightlaughfeast.com, you can put in HGBT in the memo field. You don't have to, but you can. You can do it. And if you do choose to do that. You'll get a free 15 ounce mug that says HGBT, how to build a tent. And you can represent that at work in your business, and people will know that you mean business, that you're serious. And you're going to be serious about building your career, you're serious about starting your company because you listen to the podcast on how to make you successful. So go over there, fightlaffeast.com, put in HGBT in a memo field, get a mug. They might have some pint glasses left over, but regardless of the drinking vessels that you get, You get tons of great content, and most of all, you are partnering with us as we're proclaiming the Lordship of Jesus in every area of life. You get to be part of what the Lord is doing on all of these great shows. The first thing I want to talk about today, I don't know why I dragged on that, today, but I did. I apologize for that if that was annoying. First thing I want to talk about is uh, we went to a new church today, and I just thought it was fantastic. And uh, my wife thought it was fantastic, too. She just gave me a little smile and a wink when I said that. And yes, she's laughing, like, how dare you mention me on a podcast? She's like silently laughing, really trying hard not to be in the recording. Uh, So anyways, back to the church. I thought it was really great. I was looking for a church that was close to where I live. I've gone to churches before that are like 45 minutes away. And let me tell you, it is so hard to connect. It's so hard to invest in the body of Christ, to use your spiritual gifts, to be there for anything else besides the scheduled, allotted church service. And that's just not how church is supposed to be, in my opinion. I don't think you should just be there Sundays. I think you should get to know your body, the body of Christ. You should get to know the church. You should get to know people and be able to be served and to serve others as well. And the best way to do that is to be close by. And that is uh, another thing is to get into small groups if they have it at your church. Highly recommend that. So get into a place where you can be challenged to grow, and that is how you're going to be successful in your walk with Christ. Not that it is your own effort, but that you are going to be blessed by what the Spirit is doing and the people around you, and the Holy Spirit working through other people and forming the body of Christ, forming the image of Christ. When we all come together, the feet, the hands, the eyes, the ears, We form the body of Christ and we get to see more of who He is, a glimpse, a taste of who He is here on earth and experience the kingdom that is coming that I look forward to so much. But a lot of things I loved about this church, first as a website, I emailed three or four churches in the nearby area. One of the big kicks I'm on right now is, and I shouldn't say like a big kick, like it's a fad that's going to pass away, but one of the things that God has been challenging my wife and I to is, Really discipling our children. And when I mean discipling them, I'm not saying like making sure they're memorizing their verses, although that's good. Making sure they're reading their Bible, praying with them every night, although that's great as well. But really getting them to see what it's like to walk through Christ. Well, I mean walk through life following Christ. And that means having them see when you fail, see what it looks like to have repentance, seeing what it's like to worship, seeing what it's like to listen to the word being preached. And along those lines, I think it's so important. A lot of you Reformed people out there that bring their kids into church know what I'm talking about. I think it's so important to have your kids with you, seeing you do worship. When the body of Christ is coming together, they are as valuable as any other member. And we should be all using our gifts. This is my opinion we should all be using our gifts as much as possible. We should all be inclusive and treating each other as as valuable as anyone else because we are all redeemed by the blood of Christ. And that includes our kids. And sometimes, or at least my theory is, the reason why so many kids walk away in college is because they weren't discipled before then. They were sent off to Sunday school. You know, Sunday school is great. Sunday school teachers, I'm sure you guys are amazing. You have great hearts. But there's something to be said about your parents leading and guiding you and taking that ownership and even in church and showing your kids what it's like for you to worship, for you to submit to the word of God, for you to submit to elders and what it is like to worship together and include them and have them participate. So that is a big kick on me. So I emailed a bunch of different churches or not a bunch, three or four and I wanted to see if it was okay for us to bring our kid and he's a younger tot, and he's just sitting in the toddler stages. I don't put his birthday or his age out on the interwebs, so I'm trying to protect his identity as much as possible. Don't want that getting stolen. You don't want to set your kid up for failure before he even can spend a credit card, and then he finds out he has like eight credit cards to his name. And I got two back that were really great emails and I got one canned response now that it was really disappointing to me because this was my church that I was actually looking forward to the most I'm not gonna say who it was but if you have an inquiry if you're in ministry and you have an inquiry about some questions like I wasn't just like a quick like a few hey I have a few questions before I would come check out your service I was like explaining myself and like trying not to be like a looney tune and I didn't want to sound like I'm demanding and expect to be served I hate that so much and so I asked, and then I got a canned response back. Like it was and there was no effort involved. I was really disappointed. So I'm not even going to go to that church, which sucks, because I wanted to go to that church. That was my, out of all the ones I saw on the website, because I, you know, again, I just moved here a couple weeks ago. So I was looking through websites and, you know, Google Maps, see what's close. And all the ones I wanted to look at, that was the one. And it was just a canned response, which application time, warning, entering application for business and other things. and uh, That would be like a header if you were watching the news or something, but uh, this segment, I highly recommend if you're in business, if you're handling customer service, if you're on your own, if you're in your career, if it's any employees coming back, try to avoid canned responses as much as possible. The only time that I really believe that a canned response is appropriate is for PR purposes, where you're trying to control a narrative and you don't want slip ups to happen, or for legal reasons where you are trying not to put yourself in a more exposed way. But other than those two examples where you're playing defense pretty much, you want to be as authentic as possible and canned responses are not great responses. Now specifically just in a ministry application of this, especially in ministry, right, because if you're wanting to go to a church to be part of the body, you want to feel welcome, you want to be accepted, a canned response is not going to be the way to do that. Oh, anyways, back to the church that we went to. I, I thought it was really great because they, they, again, they emailed and said, Yeah, we have these programs for your kids if you want, but you're more than welcome to keep them in church service with you, which I loved. And then they, uh, they have an actual training room. So they have like the breastfeeding room for mothers that are breastfeeding. Which pretty typical for bigger churches, but then they also had another room where it's like a training room where you can be there where your kids might be making noise, and they have like couches and they have a soundproof glass and it's like a you know like a recording studio, a soundproof room, and you can train and you can get in there and you can train your kid to start listening without disrupting um, the service. So, oh, I just absolutely love that. That was great. I even went in and checked out the room. It is fantastic. If you can afford that in um, a church that might be something to look into if you uh, are thinking about ways to build out your building or spend some money that God's blessed you with or something like that. I don't know. Um, and then I just thought the church service overall was really refreshing. Uh, I'm somebody who believes in utilizing all the spiritual gifts, and some of you more conservative people are like, Oh my gosh, he's a Pentecostal. and I'm, No, I'm not Pentecostal at all. But you know, I believe that the Spirit uses all his gifts that are listed in the Bible. And I thought they just did a great balance of that, and it was really refreshing. And then also got some good old Reformed quotes in on the sermon, which I found out afterwards, the guy preaching was uh, called up to preach on the fly the day before because the actual pastor had to go down to Bolivia because their kid um, had some sickness or something, medical issues, and so he had to rush down there in Bolivia where they have a mission field. So if you want to pray for him, I don't even know his name or the child's name, but uh, if you just want to pray, God knows who they are for everything to be safe with them. And I just thought, I was just really impressed with the structure of the service. I was really impressed. I went through the like first time visitors program that they had and how they introduced you and the small groups. And this is our mission field. This is what we believe. The guy who spoke came in afterwards and talked to a handful of us that were in a like the new the new person room. It's like, do you guys have any questions? I so many people came to meet us and welcome us. And one of the things that I absolutely love the most, which I missed out a lot in California, but not in Hawaii. Hawaii was pretty good about this too, is just mixed cultures where we had, you know, black people, white people. And I love that because to me, that's like one of the signs of a healthy church. It really scares me when it's an all-black church or an all-white church. Like, I want to see the body of Christ transcending those cultural barriers, if they are barriers, or cultural differences, and fellowshipping as one. And I was just really excited to see that. It was a really great time. Got a lot of um, just fantastic experiences from that church over. So I'm really stoked about that. And the other thing I wanted to talk about and just share with you. And I don't have an answer for this, but I'm sure you guys have been going through this. If you move a lot, like I have, or if you are you know, looking for a new church or whatever, it's like, how do you find the balance of finding where God wants you and not church shopping? I hate church shopping. Church shopping is the worst on so many levels, but it all roots down to this one thing for me, that... You are going to look for a church that satisfies you. And that is just so unbiblical. We should be going to church services not to be served, but to serve others. We should be going to church services not to be served, but to serve others. To serve others. And when you go church shopping, or you go looking for a church that has the music you like, well, you're missing worship altogether, right? Worship is to glorify God, to give him praise and thanks for who he is and what he's done in your life, to minister to him, not to make you feel good, not to entertain yourself, not to give you emotional feelings. Not that emotional feelings are bad. I actually love when I'm singing to God and praising him and worshiping him, and I get emotional, like, like emotions are something God created in us and there is a healthy way for them and the sermons the people that are looking for a sermon that's going to carry them entertain them give them something deep to think about well there is a place for you know compelling sermons and sermons that are convicting but you're accountable for your walk with God. You're accountable to be in God's word. You're accountable in your private time to hear with God one-on-one. And like so much is like emphasis is put on the pastor that's unhealthy way. And that's why when pastors fail, when they sin, there is an undue amount of stumbling that happens in People that are going to the church because they have elevated the pastor to an idol, where he is the intermediary between God and man. He is the high priest, not Jesus, and that's where people start falling away. When when pastors inevitably sin and um, have to step down, have to take a sabbatical, or whatever the you know agreed upon approaches. And then the last thing I wanted to say about this church that I thought was absolutely fantastic. That I don't hear about a lot either, is they were talking about how they partner with Presbyterian churches, Methodist churches, and other Baptist churches. I think they're non-denominational. They're not even a Baptist. Oh, well, okay. I know a lot of you are like, oh, yeah, they're Baptist. You're either a Presbyterian or a Baptist. Anyways, and do kingdom and all that stuff. But uh, the point of that is that they work together with all these different churches. And one of the things they said is like, yeah, we have some differences, but we've, we agree on the foundations, the core principles of the Christian faith, and we work together, and we do activities together, and I'm like, man, what a great ministry! And he was saying, like, yeah, and if you don't think this is your church, like the church for you, then we have like, here's we can introduce you to some of the other churches in the area, and I love that because it's okay to have differences. I, you know, like we can have different worship styles, we can have, you know, baptize your babies, don't baptize your babies. And we can still come together and serve people, and we can evangelize and preach and accomplish things together as a church body. I absolutely love that. The church body isn't formed in every individual congregation, but it's the whole church together. And that was just something that was so encouraging for me. And I hope that if you know, for some of you who have some authority in churches, maybe look into. Partnering with some other churches and getting together, even if it's just a minister to each other, like how awesome would that be as a testimony to the world that, yeah, we have differences, yeah, we're different denominations, but we still love each other and we still hang out like family? Absolutely fantastic. Now, okay, let's get into non church religious stuff. We're like almost two thirds of the way through this show, and I've just been going on church, but you know what? That's the most important thing. If you don't have a solid church. If you don't have a solid relationship with God, most of all, then all the success doesn't matter in the world. There's a few things I wanted to talk about. And the first thing I wanted to talk about was an article that was shared by our very own campus preacher, Keith. And he was saying, like, if you are complaining about the rising health care in the last five to 10 years, then don't blame the free markets. And that is absolutely right. But I want to add a little addendum to that as well, or an asterisk and including or adding to what he was saying. If you are upset about the prices you make in health, and, or the prices you pay for healthcare, the services you are provided with, the experiences that you have, the doctors that you have, if you are upset about those and you don't know the price that you are paying for those services, then you can't blame the free market. And I add that because it just goes to show and proves that you are not dealing with a free market whatsoever. And I know that is the scapegoat, that is what the punching bag is for the socialist and all the left, but a free market is the freedom to buy a product or service at a price sold by the choosing of the person who's providing the product or the service. If you don't know the, pro- the price you're paying for the product or service, there's a middleman, there's somebody else that's involved, it's, you don't know how much you're paying for that x-ray, for that surgery, for that consultation, that doctor's visit. That doctor's visit is not the price, is not the copay. There's a huge amount of other expenses that go into that that you don't see, but you're paying through insurance. That is not the free market. If you are upset about health insurance, the cost, the quality, whatever, You can't blame the free market. The free market is the solution. The day that you start to buy your x-rays, your surgeries, your doctor's services, the same way you buy a car, a house, a number of different things, that is the day that you are going to have affordable healthcare. That is the day you're going to have quality healthcare because there are so many options out there. The competition would be healthy the competition would drive down prices, and the competition would force quality to go up or doctors would not be able to stay in business. And it would incentivize more smart people to go in to the medical field. The medical field is a discouraging place nowadays to go in because the reward for the cost, the extra amount of student loans, the extra years of school, it's just not worth it on so many levels. So if you don't know the price of what you're paying for your product or service, it's not the free market. Then you can apply that to anything, but specifically, healthcare is uh, that is true for healthcare. Now I was looking through something while I was like slowly dragging out my sentences. I thought this was pretty cool. The ten best universities in the world. Now, uh, as you know, that have listened to the show for a long period of time, you hear me talk about value a lot. The value is an equation, simple equation. It's the benefit minus the cost. If your benefit is greater than the cost, then there's value. If you are if the cost is a bit more than the benefit, you're losing value. It's a negative. And I think a lot of people that are going to college are Losing value, they're losing net worth, they're losing assets because the benefit of college is actually arguably decreasing, not increasing, and the costs are astronomically increasing. And so when the benefit stays the same but the costs rise, the value shrinks more and more until it becomes negative because, again, value equals benefit minus cost but there are some elite universities out there that is worth every single penny. And when you can get on a list like the 10 best universities in the world, those are schools that are probably gonna be worth every dime you pay because you could get probably any single job you want and pay off those student loans, pay off uh, those tuition fees, whatever you're gonna pay or get scholarships, whatever, to these schools in a matter of you know years because you probably start with six figures right out of the gate. And newsflash, for those of you like, oh, I thought everyone starts with six figures that has a college income. Most people that graduate college do not start with six figures. I hate to break that to you, especially if you're outside the STEMs. But I just wanted to go through this list because it was kind of fun. And what's really fun about it is how many are United Kingdom or United States schools, which it flies in the face of everyone who says Western culture is evil because, hey, Western culture actually are the ones who are informing people, giving people knowledge, I guess, arguably for some schools. But I mean, these schools, they are not messing around. These schools are legit, especially if you stay in the STEMs and you stay away from the humanities and all that liberal arts madness. All right, let's get into this. Number 10 is a UK school, the University College London. Sounds like a community college for London, but apparently it's legit. I mean, it's top 10 schools in the world, colleges in the world, university, if you are british number nine united states university of chicago i heard their business school is actually really phenomenal number eight imperial college london guess where that is uk all right uk has two united states one switzerland has one throws in a wild card at number seven the swiss federal institute of technology number six comes back with uh uk taking a commanding lead over the united states three to one the united university of cambridge cambridge university you just have to like drink tea all day and like be all snobby if you go to cambridge which um which is kind of a funny story actually my school had a, a trimester abroad at cambridge i totally should have gone on that one but i didn't i would have been nice to say i studied at cambridge university number five another united kingdom school british school university of oxford so you got cambridge and oxford six and five so that is one two three four uk schools and one school from the united states chicago is the lone wolf representing but then united states comes out strong number four california institute of technology caltech it's kind of like the mit of the west coast number three harvard university number two stanford university stanford beat harvard California schools are representing, and number one, the MIT, Massachusetts Institute of Technology. The United States coming back for the win and the bottom of the ninth with the top four colleges in the world. So if you are looking to you know, educate yourself and become educated and to go into student debt, or I'm just kidding, don't go into student debt. But if you are really determined to go into the STEM Those four schools are where you want to be at. And then, of course, like Harvard Law, Stanford Law are uh, great opportunities for that. I don't know that much about MIT, except uh, there's really smart engineers, so engineering school. Uh, And also, for those of you who have kids that would maybe want them to go to an Ivy League school someday, here's a little tip, and maybe if they're athletic, I should throw this in. Hockey is a great sport right now to get your kids into because... Some of the best colleges for hockey are Ivy League schools. And if you are not somebody who donates a lot of money to these Ivy League schools and you want your kid to go to a great school like Stanford or Harvard. I don't, Actually, I don't know if Stanford has a hockey team. But Harvard, Yale, Princeton, all those northeast uh, schools, uh, Penn, they all have hockey teams. And they will give you scholarships to come. And I have a nephew who I'm like... He just got drafted, He he's like 15, 14, 15, however old he is, and I, they just keep pushing him like, go to Harvard, go to Harvard, go to an Ivy League school, because if you get hurt and you don't have your college, I mean, if you don't have your hockey career to rely on anymore, you're still going to say you got, went to Harvard and be able to get any job you want to in the world. So I'm going to be, like, pushing my kids to go into hockey. That's, like, it's an awesome sport. It's so fun. And it is a sport that isn't, like, the number one sport in the United States. So it's probably not as competitive as football, baseball, and those kind of other sports are. And so, in the, like, obviously, the ROI of getting your kid through college for free for hockey is awesome. And then, plus, they can go play at the pros, which is, again, it's a fun sport. Now... Go train your kids to sit in service. Go get your kids in hockey so they can go to prep school. And we will talk to you tomorrow. Now let's go out and be successful.